Today, we are starting a few Sundays because of our connection, uh, our connect groups uh, this month, our connect group signups and our connect groups that are starting in September. We're going to talk on, uh, for the next few Sundays, just on connection, on, on what connection really looks like. And my, my subtitle today, uh, my subtitle is Inside, Outside. Inside the church, outside the church. What all those look like and why connections are so important and so vital. I've got a couple of passages of scripture today that we're going to look at that we've not looked at before and, um, and I, I believe you're going to get something and see something concerning the vision of the house regarding connect groups. And, and I really challenge you to, to listen and, and, and pay attention. If you weren't here or you didn't hear certain messages or if you were here for every service in the month of July on Sundays, um, when we talked about integrity equals freedom, it's, it's, and, and, and actually what we talked about and defined was pride and humility. Uh, what pride looks like and what humility looks like. I just encourage you to go back and listen to all those messages and, and really meditate on, the, on what God spoke through me to you about pride and humility. Uh, it's vital. It's, it, I believe those understanding those, you know, not just understanding humility. I mean, yes, understanding what true humility is, not false humility, but true humility, but then also understanding what pride is. And, and we shared some things regarding pride that a lot of times uh, you don't realize uh, is pride in your life. And so I gave you a bunch of different indicators concerning pride and what that really looks like to, to, so that you have tools to remove it from your life because a pride-filled life is not on the receiving end of the things of God. It's just not. God wants us living and operating in humility because we want to, not because we're forced to, not because, you know, I preach some condemning message that's going to make you feel bad so you're going to try to do right. You'll do it right for a while, but then you'll just leave right? You get away from the word being preached and that, that's the worst place to be. You need to be in an environment where the word is preached so that it teaches you how to hear the voice of God. Amen? His voice is his word. But it's his word for you in the moment that you need to hear. And you have to have it. You have to have it to exist and operate in this earth. So today we're going to talk about so I, I encourage you to go back and listen to those messages. Don't, don't just, don't like out of sight, out of mind, well, that was last month and we're, no, don't, don't do that. Uh, meditate on those, yeah. on, on those words. Amen? Um, so today, and, and, and actually these three passages of Scripture, we're not going to even look, I'm going to give them to you, but we're not going to even look at them. Um, but... But I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this today, just laying a foundation. We talk a lot about it here. But in talking about the church, um, 1 Kings 9 and 1 through 5, like I said, we're not turning there, but you can write it down if you're taking notes, you go back and look at it. But 1 Kings 9, 1 through 5, talk about the fact that God's eyes and his heart are on his house. God's eyes are on his house his heart is in his house. He's about his house. In the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 3, 
And we're not going to look at it, it either. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15, it, say, it says that the house of God, Old Testament, is the church, New Testament. And the church is the pillar in the ground of truth. It's where the word is brought. The church is. God is, Matthew chapter 16 says, God is building his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. God is building his house. What's a house? Who lives in a house? A family, right? A family lives in a house. Everybody's family is different, numbers, how many people are in it or whatever, but a family lives in a house. The family of God lives in the house of God, yet we're the house of God, okay? You and I are the house of God, so we're to exist in His presence, but we learn about the fact that we're the house of God and who we are in God. We learn about those things in the house, in the environment of the house. That's why we worship God, because the Bible tells us to. It's the reason that we set an atmosphere like this to bring the Word, because the Bible tells us to. Because faith and trust in God comes from you hearing and then doing something with what you hear. Amen? Old Testament, His eyes are on it, His heart is in His house. New Testament, the church is that house. Okay, and then Ephesians 1 and verse 22 through 24 says that the church is his body in the earth, his, his, his expression, let's say, to the earth, um, his delivery to the earth, because, because when, when you see my body walk in a door, that's me, right? You, you don't see my feet walking in the door and then my body comes in later, Right? You don't see my head, you know, bouncing in the door and then later on here comes my body. It doesn't work that way. It's the body, right? The church is his body. It's his expression. Think about what all the things that the body does. There's five senses to the body. And, and we have a mouth, we have ears, we listen. The, the Bible tells us what to do with our mouth. The Bible tells us what to do with our ears. The Bible tells us what to do with our senses and, and where to allow them to be exposed, what, what, what we allow our, our bodies to be exposed to, what not to. The Bible tells us all about this body. The church is His body. Everybody say, I'm the church. Say, we're the church. See, there's two revelations there. They're both true. I'm the church, okay? But we're the church. And I'm his body, but we're his body. See? So we can't operate like he did unless we connect together. But the church is his body. So here I am. I'm the church. I'm going to go out into the world and subject myself and allow myself to do whatever I want to do, say whatever I want to do, listen to whatever I want to do, and yet that won't accomplish being his body in the earth. I have to get my ears in line, my eyes in line, I have to get my mouth, my confession in line, I have to get my life where my body is doing what pleases him and those kind of things for me to be the expression in the earth that he wants me to be. A lot of times, what we think that expression is, isn't always what is pleasing to him. So, the rest of my message, I'm going to explain what that looks like. Psalm 92, 
That's Old Testament. Psalm 92 and verse 12. Says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, which can't be moved. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright, for He is that person's rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Who is the righteous? Those who are planted in the house. Because his eyes are on it, his heart is in it, right? And his house is his church. Those who are planted in the house in the church Those who are planted in the church and hearing and doing something with what they hear are becoming the expression to the world that God created us to be. He created you wherever you're at, in your vocation, in your family, with friends, wherever it is that when you're on vacation, when you're traveling, wherever. God created you to be the expression of Him to the earth. Say it again, I am the church. I'm telling you today, the church is what will and is making a difference in the earth. It is the church. It's not anything else. Don't don't argue with people about it. Don't fight with people over it. Don't try to make a big deal out of it. Just be it. Amen? Say it again. I am the church. Our expression to the earth is vital. It's vital that the righteousness that we are, we believe in it, and we live in it, and we walk in it. It's vital. Proverbs 29, and verse 18. I'm going to read this first out of the New King James, and I'm going to read it in the message. 29 and 18. Where there is no revelation, where does revelation come from? Revelation comes from the knowledge that you hear, the things you hear preached. What I'm preaching to you today is knowledge, okay? Whether you get revelation from the knowledge depends on what you do with what you hear today. See, if you never believe what I'm telling you, eh, I don't know about that, all that church stuff and house thing and I'm, I'm the church and I'm that and I'm this and I'm whatever. If you don't get that down on the inside of you, then it won't work for you because you won't believe it and so forget all this, you know. Go play golf or something, all right? But he said, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But where there is revelation, then people walk in restraint. They, they, and and what, what restraint is, is 
I'll just say this, you've heard me say this before, but people that cast off restraint trust in themselves. I'm telling you today, you can't trust yourself. If you want to be the expression of Jesus in the earth, if you want to be that expression, then there must be restraint in your life. The only thing that will give you that kind of restraint that's not a legalistic restraint in your life, the only thing is, is revelation. And revelation will only come from what you do with the preached word. I got lots of friends that think that the word that they study is the word that brings revelation. Only the word that they study. Now, hear what I'm saying. When you hear the word preached, you've got to go study it. You've got to make it your own. You've got to make sure that what was preached to you was God. You've got to, that, the reason I don't preach a lot of stories, I mean, I tell stories, but I don't preach stories, is because you need the word. And you need to hear the word from my expression, but then it has to go beyond my expression and become revelation to you because then there'll be restraints in your life. See? If, uh, if you're doing something illegal in your life today, you're doing something illegal, if I just point that out and hammer you about what you're doing that's illegal and you have no revelation about it, you'll run from it. You'll hide, you'll say you're doing this, and you'll lie. I mean, I mean, you know, the, I, I saw a statistic the other day that said over 90% of Americans lie. You know what I thought? That's a lie. 100% of Americans lie. I, I, I'm going to tell you this, and don't raise your hand because we'll have to cast the devil out of you, but uh, how many in here have ever told a lie? Don't raise your hand. So uh, that's all I got to do is ask you, how many, how many in here have ever, you said, well, I, I kind of stretch it. That's a lie. There's no gray area with lie. You either tell the, whole, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, or it's a lie. That's what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. If you don't like it, go talk to God about it. Amen? But that's the absolute truth. So 100% of Americans lie. I, I can't speak for... Aussies or South Africans or, you know, people on the other side of the planet, maybe their whole nation, they all tell the truth. But I can tell you, 100% of Americans lie and have lied at some time or another in their life. Does that mean we just keep on lying? No, it means we get better at it. We get better at telling the truth. I, I'm, I, I want to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So to, to the point that... When I realize I've said something that is not the truth, I find myself having to go back and make a fool of myself. It appears that I'm making a fool of myself, but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm reminding myself I don't ever want to have to do this again when I have to go back and tell somebody, you know what, I told you that, but that's not the absolute truth. I didn't really do it just exactly like that. And then you walk away from that and you think, why did I tell them that? Why did, why did I say that exactly like that? I mean, the story was true. All of the situations about the story were true, and then I just kind of, bloop. It's pride. Anyway, that's another story. <clears throat> Where there is no revelation, 
the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law or the word. All right? I, li- I, like, I like the message translation here. Um, verse 18. If, pe- if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. You need to write that and stick it. You know, uh, one year I took an old lipstick of my wife's and I wrote on, we have, we have two sinks and two mirrors in our bathroom. And I wrote happy birthday to her in this red lipstick. And she left it on there for a long time, just as a reminder. You need to get either some red lipstick or uh, a little index card or do something and write down, I am most blessed. Everybody say most blessed. But, but who, who are those who are most blessed? I mean, it's one thing to be blessed, but another thing to be most blessed, right? And who are those? Those are they that have revelation. They're not stumbling and kind of tripping and falling all over themselves. They're, they're, they're receiving revelation because revelation is a lifelong, it, 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 it's, a, it, it, it's being administered to you if you let it for your whole life, revelation is. It's line upon line, it's precept upon precept. It, it, it's, you get a little of this, you see something really clear, and it becomes more clear and more clear if you just stay with it. And that's what God wants. He wants revelation to increase and continue in your life. Because then you have restraint, and then you will do things that God wants you to do. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, everybody really wants that. Most people just don't know that's what they want. Everybody really wants that. They want to do what God wants them to do. Can you say amen to that? So, um, <clears throat> so I'm going to look at these last two passages of Scripture today. I'm going to read a number of verses in these two passages. And I'm going to kind of prepare you for the next two messages. You say, well, actually, what does all this have to do with connect groups? Well, it really has to do with connection. Connect groups are a part of that for the church, but it has to do with being connected and being connected to the church of Jesus Christ. That's what God really wants. And so um, these next two passages uh, I, I want to read, and then and I'm, as I'm reading it, I'm going to make several points. Acts chapter 17 And we're going to start with verse 16. We're going to read this out of the NIV. That's the wrong chapter. So we see... um, we see the Apostle Paul here, and he's been, you know, <laughs> I mean, wow. 
the more I read about him, the more I just, wow. He's just, he's just, the wow factor is all around his life, you know? Wow. I mean, the guy was a wow guy. Um, but as I was, I was looking at this in, in this passage, I'm actually going to read from verse 16 to the end of the chapter. And so it's kind of a, it's a story. Um, and um, Paul gets, they were going to be persecuted. People in the town um, got them out quickly. They were in Berea, and, they, and, and the people kind of hid them and got them out. Well, they got Paul out, and then, and then he was waiting in Athens, in Greece. He was waiting for Silas and Timothy. And it says in verse 16, <clears throat> while, while, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed. Are, are we on the NIV? Yeah. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and, and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. <clears throat> then they took him to Areopagus, uh, which actually Areopagus was, was a mountain in Greece. It was a very high mountain that had an open-air temple on the top of it. And that open-air temple is where, like, the Supreme Court in the United States uh, was, and, and, and they ruled on a lot of different topics, religious topics, all kinds of things. And so they take Paul to this, and actually, uh, this is Mars Hill. This Areopagus is, is Mars Hill, and... Um, Paul begins to preach this message at this place to all these different groups and types of people. And I want to point this out because what we're talking about today is connection. But we're talking about connection inside and connection outside. We're talking about connection in life with people inside what we call the church world versus connection with people outside the church world. Because the longer I'm walking and living, the longer I'm realizing more and more and more about the people outside. I, I was an outsider until I turned 18, until I was about 18 years old. I was an outsider. I got born again just right before my 18th birthday, and the moment I got born again, I became an insider, but I still felt like an outsider, right? That's the way it is. I mean, you, you're not going to, even though you're an insider because you accepted Jesus, that doesn't mean you feel like it because you've got a mind that's got all the stuff that you grew up with for however many years before you became an insider. Everybody say, I'm an insider. I'm an insider, but many times we feel like outsiders, and many times we're still connected to the outside 
So we find ourselves doing things in our flesh, in our life, that is like outsiders. God needs us to be insiders who believe that we're insiders, and the renewing of our mind and our life is empowering us to fulfill the purpose and plan of what his house, his church, and he created his body to fulfill. He gave the best of heaven. Jessica said that earlier about what, what, how God gave the best of heaven. He gave the best of heaven so that you and I could be liberated and free, but not just be liberated and free for ourselves, not just be prosperous ourselves, not just be well ourselves, but so that with those on the outside, we could take that health and healing and deliverance to people on the outside because you believe that the outside needs the inside. True connection is about connecting with people and then not them leading you to the outside, you leading them to the inside. That's what Jesus did. Jesus hung out with all the creeps and the weirdos and the whatever that the church world would call that out there. He, 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 he hung out mostly with all the outsiders. Because the insiders in the religious world, every time he went, he went around them, they all tried to trip him up, and he made a fool out of all of them. And he didn't mean to. He just talked to the, the Word of God, the wisdom of God. He walked in Revelation, so he always had the answer. They tried to trip him up, and he'd always trip them up. They didn't like it. He made a fool out of them. So a lot of those guys stayed away. They sent their spies. But he's hung out with all the outsiders. And so we see here that they take him to Mars Hill where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? Now, who are the guys that are asking this? These are the outsiders. See, Paul's bringing something that's causing the outsiders to want what Paul has. I'm going to give you something that, that this is what I've processed myself. You may have heard me say this you, you may have heard me say the opposite of what I'm fixing to say right now. Sometime in the past, if you've been around here very long, you may have heard me say, this sounds contradictory to what I said, I'm making a change. You know, because the more revelation you get, it changes the way you think, right? And I used to think that people were rejecting Jesus on the outside. Well, they just have this thing and this attitude towards Jesus and whatever. I don't think that way anymore. I don't think people are rejecting Jesus. I'm telling you that I believe 100% they don't know Jesus. And they don't know anything about him. And they're not reject. You can't, you can't reject something that you don't understand. They just don't understand it. Because to know him is to love him and accept him. Yeah. And people are not going to know him by just by, I mean, somebody will, and, they, and many thousands of people have. But most of the outsiders are not going to accept him by watching Christian television. Everybody say, Pastor likes Christian television. Okay. But most of the outsiders aren't going to get it that way because they're not watching it. See, because of what they think it's all about. And the problem is they don't know my God. Yeah. They don't know your God. What we have to create is a package 
We have to create an environment in our own life that is like him so that when we go and express ourselves and we're around other people, we treat them with all of his ways of thinking and doing. See, we treat, he, we treat them the way he treated them. All the Apostle Paul did, he spent, I don't know, close to 25, 30 years uh, as he's preparing for his earthly ministry, he spent focusing and understanding God through the life of Jesus. All he did, the Apostle Paul got account and an account and account and account of everybody that he could find. The time that he spent with the, with the Apostle Peter, the, the time he spent with him was to know what it was like to walk with Jesus those three and a half years. He, he, he went to everybody, he found out what was it like, what did he do? I mean, we, we, we have, the Bible says that what we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is about that much of this that's not even recorded of what Jesus did in the earth. I mean, the, the, the man worked 24-7. It's like, he did, he ate, he preached, he ministered, he laid hands, he did, he went to sleep, when he woke up, they're all standing there looking at him. And he did that for three and a half years. And so Paul said, Paul went to these guys, give me, give me what it was like walking with him because all I want to do is present him from now on. Paul said in, in uh, uh, what is it, 1 Corinthians something, he said, I become all things to all people that I might win some. This sermon that he preached here at Mars Hill was delivering something to atheists, to people that worshipped cows and pine cones and trees and this and no, no telling what, and, and, and made monuments to a God they didn't even understand or know anything about. I'm telling you today... People are not rejecting Jesus. They don't know him. Did you hear me? And the only way they're going to know him is if they know him from you. Connection on the inside is one thing, but you connecting with people on the outside with what you have from him is what not only liberates your life, but it liberates planet Earth. The planet will be liberated as God's people are evangelistic one person at a time one individual at a time so he takes him to mars hill um and they said may we know the last part of verse 19 may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting you're bringing some strange ideas to our ears just remember people are going to look at you like what are you talking about so don't get religious with them. Don't get preachy to people. Don't, don't shove stuff down people's throats. Accept them the way they are. I don't care what they do. I don't care how bad it is. I mean, you know, don't get involved in, in a lot of illegal stuff and, and things where you get yourself trapped and, and in trouble and those kind of things. But other than that, accept people for exactly how they are because they are how they are and you will never change them. I've realized that. You will never change them. And the only real changes I've ever made in my life is when I got revelation. And where did I get that revelation? From the word I heard preached. From the word I heard preached. 
that I did something with. That's the only time I've ever been set free and liberated from anything. People have laid hands on me several times through the years to receive healing in my body that I accepted and I received it, but it was the revelation that empowered me to keep it. Amen? So just remember, people are going to have strange ideas and they're going to look strange and act strange and do strange things, right? All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Well, and don't get me wrong when I'm saying this, but that's all the millennials today. They just want to know what the next great idea is. What's the next thing I can make a billion dollars with? They're sitting around listening to those kind of things. I didn't say it's wrong. I just said that's what they're doing. So if you're trying to preach to somebody that all they're thinking about is making a billion dollars, you're not going to get through until they want what you have. And the more you preach to them, you just won't see them again. Hmm? They could have a phone at AT AT&T and they'll go to Sprint and get a new number just to get rid of you. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll do whatever they can. Why would they want to be around you? See, because you're not understanding how can they know anything else if they've never received anything else. They've never had any word taught to them and administered to them or anybody just to love them and accept them that was a Christian just like they are and not preach to them all the time. How could they ever want to do anything and make any kind of changes? They're not going to change. Paul then stood up, and this is his message at Mars Hill. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. (laughs) For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now, some people could take this message right here as he was hammering these people. No, man. He loved these people. You you guys, you've, you've built a monument to an unknown God. What does that mean? They don't know God. Huh? The monument is to an unknown God. You just, you just never know what God's going to do. You can't know God. You can't know anything about Him. And they've made a monument to it. So here's Paul. I mean, Paul, Paul said time and time again, I become in so many different ways, I become all things to all people that I may win some. Knowing he's not going to win everybody. And he's not going to compromise what he believes in and what he knows. But he's here ministering to these people and sharing with them. Listen, you've made a monument to a God that you, that you don't even believe is out there. I'm telling you, I serve a God that's real and he'll do for you what he's done for me. See, Paul had revelation. Some of the greatest revelation Paul ever wrote was in the worst dungeons that a human being could ever be in and exist in. It wasn't, just, it wasn't just prison. It was the prison under the prison. Hmm? Where all the rats hung out, where all the water was. Anytime there was a rainstorm, the top prison didn't flood, but the bottom prison did. 
And he spent a long time, a good period of time, and some of his greatest revelation came out of that. Because time and time again, he would say things. One thing, one thing that matters, forgetting what's behind, pressing toward the mark of the high calling that there is in Christ Jesus and knowing who I am in him. Listen to me, at the end of the day, your millennial friends, your whoever friends, your you know, late in life or friends, your whatever friends, at the end of the day, they don't know God because they don't know who they are. The hope of the world is me knowing who I am in Christ and then being able to process that and break that down and administer that to the world at whatever level, no matter what level. Places I travel, places that I go I find and find myself with all different types of people. I don't, I don't, I don't gravitate towards people my age. Hmm? The 40s, the 40-year-olds. I, I don't gravitate towards 40-year-olds. I actually, I actually find myself in the presence of a lot of millennials. I just, I don't know, I just, you know, I feel like when I, when I, see some guy that I think is cool in the millennials, I just think I look like that. Right? Do you feel like you're cool? So, so just kind of envision yourself as being like some cool guy like that. Because I don't, I don't feel my age. I don't feel that way. Actually, I feel better today than I did 20 years ago. Amen? I'm in better shape today than I was 20 years ago just because I got some revelation about how to take care of my body and do some things with it. I feel, I feel better than I did 20 years ago. You know, sometimes people will say, well, you know, I'm at this age and my, I just can't do what I used to. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going there. I, now I'm going to listen to God, and if I'm not supposed to do some things that I used to do, you know, okay, well, let's don't do it. I don't have to do anything. But I'm not, I'm not having that attitude. I'm not, I'm not backing up from stuff, you know. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do or I can't do. But I'm not, I'm not backing away from challenges in life and seeing myself as like some old person. I mean, every, every old, everybody in this body here that's older than I am, I feel like all these people have a young mentality. Yeah. And, and, and we, we live around younger people. Amen. And, and we, I mean, God wants you living around young, younger people. I mean, I mean, age is just relative. You, you understand? Being old, or not, not age, old, being old is just relative. It's all in your thinking. You understand? And, and the Apostle Paul, as he's ministering to these people, he's realizing they don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. You're making monuments to an unknown God when I know a God, and that's what I'm going to tell you about, and that's his message here at Mars Hill, was ministering to these people that served an unknown God. How miserable. How horrible. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth 
and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. Everybody say, that's my God. Amen? He gives life to everybody. So when you see somebody that's not born again, God gave them life. And you see somebody that doesn't think the way you, God gave those people life. And here's Paul, here's Paul, when, when he's waiting on, on Silas and Timothy, it said, with all these people, he went and reasoned with them and talked with them in church. They all met in the synagogue, it said, back up there in verse 16, they all got together in the synagogue. That's not usually where people like that meet. They came to him. See, they followed him. They took him to these places, Right? From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. There's some more. You can read that right there, but I'm, I'm going to end with that because I want to end with this last passage. In him we live and we move and we have our being. In him. But listen, we can sing that all day long for ourselves. You need to know that. In him you live and you move and you have your being. So that you can live and move and have your being for the good of other beings. God created us to be those people, to minister life and to connect with them. Connections inside the church happen because you're connecting with people outside the church. You know, um, this is another thing that, and, and, and you, can, you can turn to Matthew 5. We're going to read this out of the Amplified. You can turn there if, you're, if you have a Bible or you just watch on the screen. But in Matthew 5, uh, in verse 13, we're going to finish this message, out of, uh, the, this message out of the Message Bible. Um, but... This is another thing that I used to that I used to promote that is almost unnatural. It's not it's not that there's anything wrong with inviting people to church or even bringing people to church. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But the bringing needs to be a secondary thing. There needs to be a connection first. Well, I'm just going to find somebody to invite. Nah, nah, probably not. They probably couldn't handle it. But the more you get connected with people, see, when you get connected with somebody out there and you just, just, just be a friend, I mean, you say, well, how do you do that? Well, just start by saying, hi, my name is Bert. <clears throat> you know, there's a connection. And then ask them what they do and ask them if you like the weather and ask them if you, you know, you, man, I'm really hoping it's going to rain. And then, you know, I mean, just connect. Just like you would anybody else, just connect with them. And once you create the connection, they're going to want things that, you, that, that they're going to want what you have because what you have is in him. It's in him I live and breathe and have my, I, I live and operate and breathe and whatever it says. It, it, it's in him that I live and operate. My breath comes from him. He gives breath and life to all people. So when people see that in you, 
They're, and they see that there's a confidence and you act like you kind of know who you are and what you're here for and those kind of things. They're going to they're gonna over time and then you can invite them to a connect group. You say, yeah, but I don't know. I've been to a connect group before and I did. No, no, no. Shut that mess down. Sh make sure the sign-up tables get to the back. Everybody in the house sign up for something. It's once a month for two hours. Come on. Hmm? It's, it's the time of a, and, and I'm, I'm saying that, I, I'm not saying that you say, well, we're not, you're, you're talking about not dragging people to church, but you're dragging us to a connect group. No, I'm not. If you're connected to the house, sign up for the connect group and watch what connection will happen when you get involved in it with your heart. And you just be a part of what's going on in your heart. You watch the way connection happens with all kinds of people. And then what will happen is you'll want more of a connection with another person and another person and another person. I always have a top ten list of people that are not saved that I minister to. Some of them across the country by phone or Skype or, or, or uh, FaceTime or whatever or uh, people here locally or other parts of the state or whatever but I got a top 10 list of unsaved people that I'm always ministering to and I've had it and it's changed because different ones have gotten saved through the years you know but you just just be reminded of somebody I, I've got a guy on my top 10 list that I'll probably never see again but I pray for him all the time and I met him on an airplane and I didn't get his phone number because I didn't feel like I needed to but I'm praying for him and the Bible says the word that you speak over people will not return void, but accomplish what you set it out to accomplish. So I just, I've kept that guy, that, that was probably six or seven years ago, and I've kept that guy on my top ten list. He could be saved by now, but before he leaves the planet, I'm believing somebody came across his path and ministered life to him. Can you say amen? Huh? That's how good God is. And that's what God wants to accomplish in and through us, and that's why connections are so vital. Okay? So I'm leaving you with this today. Verse 13, in the message, <clears throat> verse 13, 14, and 15. Let me tell you why you're here. <laughs> you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. That's why you're here. Most people are on the planet to be here for themselves. They're only about themselves. Me and my little group and my little stuff and my thing and it's all about me and I'm working on me that's what most people do don't criticize people that are that way you know don't have an attitude towards people that are like that they're that way because they don't know any different and the only way they're going to get any different is when you that are not about yourself get into their life and one of the best ways to do that is to join a connect group at Gates of the City amen let me tell you why you're here you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? That's a great statement. You've lost your youthfulness when? When you lose your saltiness. That's not what the scripture says. I'm pointing it out. Because the, 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 the part of that verse before says, if you lose your saltiness, how will, you, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your youthfulness and will end up in the garbage. So when you lose your saltiness, and the saltiness remains, when you stay proactive in life about realizing the house, the church, I'm the body, and I'm, I'm connected to the body, and I come to hear the word, learning how to hear the voice of God, so that when I go out into the world, people are tasting godliness. 
because I'm changing. It didn't say you're perfect. It's because you're changing. You're taking what you're hearing, doing something with it. The whole series that we did on pride and, and humility and listening to that and meditating on it and making a difference in your life, then you become more Christ-like so that you can love people no matter what they do, no matter how they are. And listen, listen, there's no timetable to people's changes. If a change needs to be made in someone's life, there's no timetable for that. It'll happen when it happens. But there is a timetable for love. And you know how what that timetable is? You never quit. You always love, you always love, you always love, and love changes people's lives. Can you say amen? Here's another way to put it. Verse, uh, where am I? Oh yeah, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. And you can't get any more than that at gates of the city. <clears throat> if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm going to have you sign up for a connect group at gates of the city. Huh? You're not going to be a light bearer and then just, you know, go stick your head in the sand and do absolutely nothing. Someone shout amen to that. <clears throat> amen? If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? Absolutely not. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. That's what the Lamonts do. They keep their house open. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father who is in heaven. I'm going to read that again. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Can you shout amen to that? When you open up, when you connect, when you connect outside, then you're going to be that much more effective in connecting inside. And when we as a body, the, the connect groups that you'll sign up to in, at, in, uh, on the two sign-up Sundays and Wednesdays, when you sign up for one or two or whatever you sign up for, when you're doing that, you're saying, you know what, I'm going to go to this thing and be a light. I may not like it, I may not really think that I, that's what I want to do, but I promise you, you get there and you're going there to be a light, you'll enjoy it. Amen? Just let your light shine. Get to know people. There's no way to get to know people in the church by just shaking hands outside. I mean, every Sunday, I'm standing out there and I shake anybody's hand that'll, that'll let me shake, or, or if I'm not talking to somebody else or whatever, and, and I shake people's hands, but I don't get to know you, right? You get to know people by connecting with them. And, and it just takes repetition of doing it time and time again and just letting people know, you know what, I'm interested. Start practicing on being interested in other people's lives. Practice it. It's amazing. Keep your mouth shut. Don't let conversations come all the way back to you. Keep you out of the equation, and you'll notice how people will ask you about you. Somebody asks you about you, give them whatever they want but it doesn't have to be about you. Start practicing being more concerned about others than you are yourself because I'm telling you, God's got your, he's got your back. He's got you covered in every single.